Welcome to Simply Cyber. folks today is wednesday worldwide wednesday december 21st 2022 hump day welcome to episode number 266 of simply cyber's daily cyber threat briefing i'm your host dr gerald dozier and over the next 45 minutes i'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing my expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner so how can you operationalize it at work today or this week or i hope i hope not this weekend, or if you're looking to break in the industry, um, there's going to be great value here for you. A lot of terminology, good networking, uh, concepts, understanding what's going on. It's going to be a good time. Settle in. We're going to have some fun. But before we get into the news, I want to say shout out and thanks. Much love to the sponsors, starting with our good friend, Barricade Cyber Solution, Eric Taylor and the gang over there. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking individuals into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Simple. There's description. Uh, there's a link in the description below. I'm actually just saying Barricade Cyber. This is their site. You scroll down, half a click. You can have a meeting with Eric right there. Uh, can you have a meeting with him on Christmas Day? His calendar's up. You can, <laughs> you can have Christmas morning with Eric Taylor. Uh, but seriously, folks, though, if you don't have a plan for dealing with ransomware, dealing with threat actors, popping in your uh, environment, consider calling Barricade Cyber for a no, you know, no obligation conversation to see what's what's up and what's possible. Also want to say much love to Recon InfoSec, Eric Capuano, Whitney Champion, the whole gang over there, delivering great value. If you're looking for help to augment your IT or security team with a fantastic managed detection and response service, check out, I encourage you to consider Recon InfoSec. Their offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum SecOps to organizations of any size. One of the best things about their MDR services is that they provide you direct access to Recon's team of experienced SOC analysts, engineers, and architects anytime for any reason. A lot of MDRs won't do that. Ask at, when you're shopping around MDRs, ask them if they do that. The chances are they're like, ah, no, we have you go through like a single belly button. You're like, nah. 
So that's on top of the fully managed SIM and SOAR that they give you access to, which gives you full visibility into your environment and any investigations going on at that time. Basically, guys, like Recon InfoSec can give you as high a level of touch or as low a level of touch as you want. But at the end of the day, they are giving you real security operations value. Check out ReconInfoSec.com for more information. Links in the description below. This is their website right here. Uh, great people over there. Great value. Great service. I want to remind you, if you hold a professional certification that requires CPEs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So that stacks, right? It's uh, half today, which is like, oh, big deal, Jerry. What am I doing with half a CPE? Well, after a week, you get two and a half. After a month, you get 10. After a quarter, you get 40 or 30. Anyways, long story short, just say what's up in chat to document that you're here. If you're watching on replay, hashtag team replay in the comments so we can document that you're here. That way you have a immutable record to be able to point to and say, I was there. See, part of this, part of this thing. All right. Now, if you're on replay, you want to jump to the news, go for it. But what we like to do on Wednesdays, everybody, is Worldwide Wednesday. It's one of my favorite activities of the week i tried to run through the intro so we'd have a little bit of extra time we got two minutes 14 seconds here's the map let me take a slug of coffee and then get let's get ready to run this sucker all right y'all where are you at where are you at george strasberger what's up george thanks for the super chat i see hold on South Africa's online. I saw Canada, Saskatchewan, Boston's up in here. Thank you, United States. Long Island, Michigan's in the house. Czech Republic. Woo! Well, I'm sorry, Czech Republic. I'll give you hungry for today, but we'll all know it was. Oh, India's in the house. We all know it was Czech Republic. What's up? Serbia's in the house. Poland. Nailed it, Poland. I got you. Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Thank you, internal stranger. Manitoba's in the house. Texas in the house. Canada. Ottawa. What's up? Philippines. The Philippines. You know we're there. Come on now. Ireland's in the house. Thank you, Ireland. New Jersey. Country all its own. Texas. Country all its own. No doubt, man. No worries. A bit more west next time. Oh, all right. Uh... Uh, check, 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 check. Austria. This map is unforgiving. Ah, sorry. Sorry, Czech Republic. UK in the house. I love it. Come on, guys. Where's our South? Where's our South America? Central America. We've got it almost, guys. Netherlands in the house. Singapore in the house. Singapore. Uh, uh, my ignorance is showing. Where the hell is Singapore? Singapore. Uh, not Japan, not Taiwan. All right, sorry, Singapore. We'll mark you as Taiwan today. Uh, Netherlands. Uh, uh. Oh, there's Czech. Uh, Netherlands. Uh, uh. Nigeria's in the house. Oh, this map is brutal. All right, all right. Let me. All right, so let me just pause and take Philippines. Let me just take uh, stock for a second. I don't know where the hell Singapore is, first of all. Second of all, did we not get South America? It, it's it's tough. Where is Central and South America exactly? Did did anyone chat? Did did we get a Central and South America? Here, let me put some music on. You are needing to zoom in. Yeah, I know BSEC, but it's not it's not as uh, easy as that. Randock Gaming with the super chat. What? Did we just become best friends? <clears throat> yep. So awesome. Thank you, Randock Gaming. 
Malaysia. It's down by Malaysia. Super uh, Malaysia, Malaysia, Malaysia. Oh, there it is. Uh, Singapore, Indonesia. Uh, I'll find it later. I'll find. <laughs> uh, you're gonna need a bigger map. Yeah. All right. Hold on. There is a zoom mode, but it's. Oh, there it is. Actually, okay. Look at that. That's not fair, though. Singapore is like a little dot. I would never have seen it. Okay. All right. And then our, our Czech Republic friends, we got them. Netherlands were here. I want to. I do want to represent Netherlands. Where are you, Netherlands? Uh, I'm Europe. Uh, oh, there it is. No. All right, guys. West Africa for the viewer who said it. Nigeria. All right. All right. Well, we didn't. We didn't get um, we didn't get South America, y'all. Unfortunately, it was a bu bit of a bummer. Hold on, that was an act. All right, guys, I'll quit screwing around here. We didn't get South America. This is a miss misstep right here. I can't. I don't know how to undo this. Yeah. All right, so we'll have some fun uh, with the um, with the world map. The mods have some good ideas, guys. We'll get better. We'll get better at, uh, hey, Germany, good to see you, Noose. Uh, we'll get we'll get better at uh, Paul Terranova with the super uh, gifted subs. Yep. Thank you so much, Paul Terranova. If you are one of the recipients of the gifted sub, you got to click through at the top and accept the gift, but you will become a squad member, which means you get access to a ton of fun stuff, including all of the emotes, including the new Hacker Man keyboard emote. There we go with this guy. Very nice. All right, y'all, let's get into the news. I wanna, I wanna keep refining and tinkering with Worldwide Wednesday. I really do love that uh, activity that we do. But now it's time to work a little bit. So let's have a sip of coffee and get into the news, right? Here we go. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Wednesday, December 21st, 2022. McGraw-Hill exposed student grades and personal info. Misconfigured Amazon Web Services S3 buckets belonging to McGraw-Hill exposed more than 100,000 students' information. Roughly 22 terabytes of data was exposed and included names, email addresses, grades, and course materials for students at various U.S. and Canadian universities. The education publishing giant also exposed its own source code and digital keys. Researchers at VPN Mentor discovered the issue on June 12th and say the misconfigured buckets could have been accessed by anyone with a web browser as far back as 2015. Oh McGraw-Hill removed the sensitive files from the public buckets on July 20th. All right, couple things here. One, I, I was gonna play the you are so dumb sound effect, but I don't feel like that's fair. People can m make mistakes. Now the fact that this thing- You are so dumb. The, th the fact that this thing was open since like 2014 or whatever they said, definitely years and years. That's kind of ridiculous, okay? Like, how do you not, I was gonna give him a pass because it's, you know, the junior engineer who's having to work all over the holidays and accidentally misconfigures a bucket and exposes this stuff, right? That sucks, um, but, but things happen, okay? Accidents happen. For it to not be, uh, for it to be accessible like this for years, that's a major problem because that to me indicates that McGraw-Hill wasn't doing any type of like ongoing validation of controls or scanning their external uh, 
external facing surface. Yo, if you are going to run an AWS with S3 buckets, take this as an operational to-do. If you're running AWS with S3 buckets, you absolutely should be checking if those buckets are properly configured. There are tools. You can go on GitHub. Offensive security people have these tools because they look for them because it's like basically low-hanging fruit. Right, You don't have to reach too high up on the tree to grab a leaky S3 bucket. The other thing that I will share with you, and you may not know, is that I worked in higher ed for several years, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to vex me. If you work in higher ed, let me know here. There is a law in the United States around protecting students' grade information. Like, like if you're a parent, you can't call a college and be like, tell me my kids' grades. It's a wicked um, specific rule. But there is a law against it because, you know, when we would do things, we'd have to make sure that that law was being um, com was compliant. And it, it's 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 um, it's it's I'm losing it right now. Uh, what law protects student grades? There's definitely a law. Uh, FERPA, the FERPA Act right here. So just be mindful that this FERPA Act, McGraw-Hill is should expect some type of FERPA um, uh, kind of slap on the wrist, financial or, or otherwise, whatever it is, it's illegal. <laughs> so you can't do it. All right. Boo. Everybody check your S3 buckets. Okay. UK privacy regulator names and shames breached firms. The UK Information Commissioner's Office has taken the unusual step of publishing details of personal data breaches, complaints, and civil investigations on its website. The ICO published data from Q4 2021 onwards, including breached organizations' name and sector, breach details and relevant legislation, and outcomes. This may not come as a surprise since ICO fines tripled this year compared to the prior 12 months. However, experts are surprised at the lack of fanfare around the ICO's aggressive move and that the data seems to be buried in the ICO's website. Hmm. Okay. It's kind of funny. Like I I find it I find it um ironic, if you will, that of all the countries to do name and shaming, the UK, I know there's people in the UK here. Uh when I say UK, I'm thinking of England. Like British people, at least the way they're portrayed in like um Downton Abbey, <laughs> which I don't watch. Um seriously. Um they're usually like prim and proper and and very, you know, and like name and shaming sounds like much more, you know, uh, you know, dirty and and like um, you know, um like fighting with like glass on your knuckles and stuff like that. So anyways, they're going for it. I will tell you this. Um we'll see if it has any type of impact on changing anything. The UK, as far as privacy goes, they have GDPR. GDPR is a European Union regulation that has teeth as sharp as like a Jaguars or a great white. These teeth, man, I've seen so many companies get real financial fines. Um, you know, like Meta gets them all the time, but and it doesn't really impact their bottom line. But my point is, it's real money. The United States has like HIPAA. And you see fines, but they're usually gross adjusted for the company. And you have to like screw up multiple times before uh, HHS OCR, who's the Office of Civil Rights that actually levies those fines uh, before they actually start pushing financials. Like if you see a company get a HIPAA fine, they must have really screwed up and been like really prickish uh, dealing with uh, HHS OCR. So anyways, 
All of that to say, GDPR's fines have seemed to be good. So I don't know why they're introducing this name and shaming thing. Um, we see it in the United States. HHS as a, as a comp has the OCR name and shaming site. So if you didn't know that, you can go and look at all HHS name and shame. You can look at all the companies in the United States that have had a healthcare breach ever. This is it right here. Uh, of 500 individ, uh, 500 records or more, right? Like, so just look at this. December 20th, Prairie Lakes Healthcare System, South Dakota, had a network server issue, 1,059 people. Like, you cannot get off this list. There's no request to get off. There's nothing. Like, once you're on this list, you're screwed. Now, here's the, the whole reason I bring it up. Nobody, like, has any, have you ever heard anybody be like, oh my God, I'm on the name and shame for HHS. This is terrible. Is any consumer going to the name and shame site to look at it? No. So, so I don't understand, like, what is the UK's, what's your end goal with this besides being a prick? You know what I mean? Like, is, do you think that this is going to change anybody's behavior? Do you think people are going to be like, oh my God, better invest in cyber now, better invest in privacy now. I don't think this moves the needle on anything based on, you know, 10 years, 15 years of HIPAA, HHS, OCR. Okay. Anyways, GDPR has got real fines though. Twitter aided the Pentagon in covert online propaganda campaign. For years, Twitter execs claimed that it makes concerted efforts to detect and thwart government-backed propaganda campaigns on its platform. However, emails between Twitter and the Defense Department from as far back as 2017 show that Twitter worked with the government to safe list a network of the military's social media accounts and online personas. The Pentagon has used the accounts to generate news and memes in an effort to shape opinion in Yemen, Syria, Iraq, Kuwait, and others. Though Twitter has since publicly opposed such platform manipulation tactics, the accounts were not shut down for years while some still remain active. All right. So, you know, the 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 inch deep story here, the, the quick story here is that the United States was using Twitter for information um, uh, operations, influence operations in foreign countries. OK, that's the micro story here. We just had a story yesterday. My brain isn't really processed this coffee yet, but we just had a story yesterday or the day before about. Uh, you know, Russia and China and all these uh, information campaigns getting shut down and everything like that. Guys, let's be real. And this is Worldwide Wednesday. So there is an international audience here. But, you know, I do live in the United States and kind of speak from a United States perspective. Like, if you think that because we're the good guys, we don't do the trashy things, you're fooling yourself, right? Like every first world power takes advantage of every opportunity and every technology that they can to continue to stay in power, right? I said it yesterday, except I was talking about people. People in power want to stay in power. Countries in power are run by people. Countries in power want to stay in power, right? So obviously this is a tool in the toolbox for the Pentagon, for the Department of Defense, and they were using it. Now, what, what, what I want to point out here is the power of power. Okay, so Twitter actively says we don't allow this type of crap going on. Twitter actively goes out of its way to shut down and and, and uh, report on Russian campaigns, China campaigns, Iranian campaigns. Right. We just read that story yesterday. But at the same time, they're allowing this to happen. And why? 
it's not, in my opinion, this is where I, you know, get off the boat and like start into speculation town. Like it's because it's a U.S. based company. When the Department of Defense um, asks you for something like this, high high ranking, very powerful people get involved. I'm not saying it's a tit for tat, but if you are hooking up this group over here, you know, I'm not saying you can ask for favors or whatever, but you'll probably get um, um, amicable situations when it's your turn to need something, right? Again, I'm not I'm not saying. Um, I'm not saying like Twitter wins government contracts and there's like back alley handshakes and crap like that. I'm just saying like, it's, 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 it's like power players meeting in smoky bourbon lounges, you know, making decisions and stuff like that. I, I know I'm getting a little bit into the tinfoil hat area, but my, my point is basically, if you think about Twitter as a business, would it benefit Twitter to allow Russia to do all this information campaigns? No, it would not. Would it benefit Twitter to be able to hook up the Department of Defense in the United States? Yeah, probably, right? There's definitely some value there. So I'm not surprised that this happens. Uh, Kimberly uh, in chat, Kimberly can fix it, did mention, you know, they have the emails. Like always, always, there's always a record, man, uh, of the emails um, and being able to pull those. So... Um, you know, long story short, this should come as no surprise. There's probably multiple, you know, this is probably not the only one that's going on in Twitter doing all this. Okay. And you should kind of know that when you're using Twitter, like, okay, like this is not, everything's not vetted or validated. Ukraine's now. military Intel system targeted by attacks. Over the weekend, Ukraine cyber <laughs> officials warned that threat actors are using a compromised Ministry of Defense email account in attempts to compromise the military's situational awareness system known as Delta. Delta contains intelligence about Ukraine's enemies as well as information related to coordination of defensive forces. Attackers are leveraging phishing emails to persuade recipients to update Delta in order to use it securely. Malicious PDF and zip files. Attachments masquerade as the security, but launch malware designed to steal and exfiltrate files via FTP. Okay. And now, um, okay, so this is kind of, kind of cool, kind of interesting. Um, I mean, when we say cyber war, right, or you know, like a cyber capability in a military conflict, you can't always associate um cyber weapons with kinetic weapons right it's not like bullets and, and missiles tanks are like are and then there's like cyber versions of that yes we have tools that can wipe computer systems and do denial of service attacks right there's all that but then there's also the kind of espionage piece of it right which is you know still cyber and still has a military capability and in this case Ukraine has this system called Delta that's very important to it. It's a critical, it's a critical application. It sounds like because it's it can, it allows integration with NATO intel basically. So you know information sharing and analysis, NATO data coming from NATO countries. I assume, I'm sure it's not country specific. It's probably more the technologies that the NATO countries are using coming in. Delta parses it in some way and hooks them up. Russia's trying to attack it. Makes sense, right? If you have a critical application that your country or your business runs on, if you can pop it and either A, like, so then what do you do with it, right? You got to remember, guys, there's confidentiality, integrity, and availability. There's three security objectives. Not to be a complete 
you know, day one guy here, but don't forget the fundamentals, y'all, okay? And if you're new here, CIA, confidentiality, integrity, availability, you'll hear it in your first, your first day of cybersecurity, okay? But think about it. You pop into this Delta system, your Russia, right? You could just wipe it out, right? So now they, their availability is compromised and they don't have any intel coming in. You could screw with the confidentiality. So don't tell them you're in there, but now Russia, presumably Russia, right? I don't think it says Russia, but who else would hit them? Um, doesn't tell them they're in there, but now Russia sees all the intel. So Russia knows like when their, their hands have been tipped or Russia knows uh, where like what they don't know about, right? So say Russia's doing something over here and something over here and all the intel says only about over here. Well, then Russia might double down on over here because the intel isn't informing them. And then finally, the integrity, which a lot of people kind of sleep on, but don't sleep on integrity, y'all. That's a big one. What if Russia is manipulating the data in Delta? So Ukraine's making huge decisions based on the information that they have. And if the information's compromised, right? So there's something over here, there's something over here, and Russia plants and says there's something up in here, right? So they put a ton of resources up in here, and there's really nothing there, right? This happens all the time. There's a lot of famous examples, not technology-wise, but uh, from a military kind of integrity-wise in World War II. Google, I, I forget what the name is. Someone in chat might remember, but there is... Um, there's a famous story about like storming the beaches in Normandy, like a hundred miles up the beach. There was like a ton of inflatable tanks that, <laughs> that the allied forces put on the beach. It looked like there was a massive land force right there, but in reality they were just inflatable uh, tanks. Um, you know, so the integrity, you know, based on what you're looking at, you're like, Oh crap, there's a huge force up here. But in reality it was crap. So anyways, I don't know what Russia's assuming it's Russia that did this, what their objective was one of these three or all three. I don't know. But uh, it's not good, right? When you have a critical app, you need to protect it. Sounds like they're trying to go through phishing. So obviously they should be educating their end users, just like all of us should be regularly educating our end users about threats and making it uh, relatable to them. Okay. All right. Let's keep rolling. We got the mid roll here. All right. I see a lot of people talking about tinfoil hat emotes. We do have a slot for a new emote. So I will take uh, um, suggestions. Let's do the mid roll. Word from our sponsor, Tynes. If you're like most security teams, you're currently facing more phishing attacks and alert fatigue. The holiday season is the most wonderful time of the year for shoppers, but it's also a busy time for cyber criminals. Tynes' no-code automation platform can help you transform your SecOps and stay one step ahead. Visit Tynes.com, that's T-I-N-E-S.com, to sign up for free today. All right, as we are known to do, Let's get our non-copyright in, in, infringing version of Simple Minds and do the mid-roll. All right, y'all. It's good day. Good day. I want to thank Barricade Cyber Solutions and Recon InfoSec again for their sponsorship, making the show possible. If you're getting value from the show, right, if you've enjoyed what we've done in the first half of the show, take a minute and hit that like button. It really goes a long way. It tells me, A, that you like what we're doing here, but more importantly, and this is the real reason that I even take a breath to ask you for this, by hitting it, it tells YouTube that, hey, people like this, and YouTube knows that people who are searching for cybersecurity stuff and will say, hey, here's some stuff that a lot of cyber people like. Maybe you like it too. We're at 150 people right now. Would love to get more in here. Thank you, Paula Terranova. InfoSec Kid with the three-month squad. 
All right, guys. A couple little programming notes. As always, go to simplycyber.io slash newsletter. The URL is in the yellow at the top. If you want to get on the mailing list where I basically send you a killer email every Monday morning on how you can absolutely dominate at work that day. It's like three pieces of actionable intel, one for your end users, one for your peers, one for your executives. Sign up. If you don't like it, you can unsubscribe. I don't, like, no hard feelings or anything like that. It is Wednesday. This is not a sponsorship or an, I'm not affiliated in any way with Red Seas, but I really do like the people over there. I think they do a great, a great uh, job. Every Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, they host this thing called Wednesday Offensive. There's no slides. There's no recording. There's no, you can be anonymous. You can have your, your camera and your mic off. It's just a huge Zoom call. And they have industry experts sharing information. It's a really, really cool networking. And you can see here later today, they're going to have Sean Goodwin on from Wolf uh, Den Secure. Um, check it out. I'll drop a link in chat. I think it's awesome. I go whenever I can. Jeremy Williams with the super what? chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much, Jeremy William. Randolph Gaming with the super chat hype. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Hype it. Hype it up. Hype it up. Here we go. Mm. Thank you, Cybersecurity Central, with the 10-month squad run. You're about to unlock that blue, blue logo there. Guys, surprise, surprise. Guess who's dropping an advent of cyber tomorrow? Two thumbs and smiling. This guy, if you haven't been doing Try Hacks Me's Advent of Cyber, it's a really fun day, you know, daily uh, challenge. There's a great storyline to it, and a lot of people are doing it. So it's a great networking and community thing. Uh, Jerry, me, got day 22, which is tomorrow. So I'll be dropping this at 8.45 a.m. tomorrow. So right as the stream ends, my Advent of Cyber Day will open up BSEC. So you guys can giddy up on that if you're into it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. And finally, later today at 11.30 a.m., if, you, if you're not around, if you are around and you are looking for a good time, I'll be live streaming ThreatGen's Red versus Blue where I will be hacking into Santa's workshop, okay? Special map just for today. I will be attacking Bandit Yeti style all up in Santa's workshop trying to brick it. So take, take, a, take a look at that, okay? Thank you, Anna Lynn. Thanks, Adam Novak. I know, I know. All right, let's do our la 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 la's and get back to the news. La 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 la. La 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 la. All right, let's get into the news. Tech giants lose faith in Internet Gatekeeper. Microsoft, Mozilla, and now Google are dropping support for Trust Core Systems, a root certificate authority based in Panama. Major web browsers and operating systems use a list of trusted certificate authorities to validate TLS certs on websites and then establish secure connections. TrustCore Systems recently came under fire for its alleged ties to an organization that distributed a spyware SDK to U.S. intelligence agencies. That, in addition to TrustCore's lackluster responses to security researchers, has caused the collapse in trust even though no specific wrongdoing has been proven. Chrome version 111 will no longer trust certificates issued by TrustCore, with Android expected to follow suit in the near future. All right. Um, so this is interesting. I'm sorry, this is a little complicated, so I'm reading about it. Um, 
Okay, so a couple things here, guys. I, I don't really, I don't dabble too too hard into the um, the PKI infrastructure, uh, or that's kind of uh, redundant, but like the public key infrastructure, PKI, you might've heard of it. It's where you have a public and private key. All websites that have um, HTTPS, the S is for security, and the way that it's secure, the way that the network connection is secure is through TLS, which is, I know this is a lot of acronyms and crap, but basically it's a um, certificate that is issued that there is assurance of the 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 source of the certificate um, that that is you know trusted and that you can use it to secure. Because because if you've ever gotten the pop up that says like this certificate's expired or it's bullshit or it's bullcrap, um, it's because anyone can issue a cert, right? I could issue a cert today. Like where's the Oprah's emotes? Like hold on, where's my Oprah emotes? Like you get a cert, you get a cert, you get a cert, right? Anyone can do it, but if the source of the cert isn't trusted, it doesn't. It like you can't. There's no integrity to it. Yeah, you're you're <laughs> you're encrypting the connection, but it doesn't matter because the tr the source isn't trusted. Which means that if I am the malicious source and I create the certificate and it's bullcrap and I put it on there, I have the keys to decrypt your traffic, right? And that's why trusted certs are important. And that's why there's these trusted authorities. I guess what happened here is that um, there was a root certificate for Android, right? Root meaning like the, the top of the chain, right? Which is trusted. And, you know, whoever issued it uh, was doing some naughty stuff, do, you know, issuing things, doing something with um, U.S. agencies. And Android, it sounds like they revoked it or they didn't accept it. And it was going to cause a cascading effect. All right. I, again, I don't really get into all this. What I will say is one of the one of the cool things with PKI and one of the it, it's double edged, right? It's very cool, but it's incredibly challenging to manage. Is that you can revoke a certificate? A certificate can expire. You can issue new certificates. You can replace certificates. Because the idea is, if the private key gets compromised, you want to be able to revoke the public key so no one is continuing to use it and issue a new public-private key. Right? That like that's the dream of PKI. It's that it's resilient and scalable and all these other things. Well. It's not a good situation if you have the Android operating system, which has multiple levels, right? These are operating system versions right here. A lot of systems, uh, like if you have some like uh, shoot off of Android OS, like um, like say like Google Pixel, right? Has Android OS, but that's a Google product. So you're they're probably running Android 10, like the newest version. But if you have some kind of knockoff, uh, let's say like um, Jerry computing like you buy a tablet off of Amazon for like 30 bucks and it's it's some brand you've never heard of they might be running like marshmallow android os and they can't update it because of all the dependencies they've baked into it so backwards compatibility becomes really really tough in some situations it sounds like let's encrypt who who was involved in the issuing of the certificates was able to get in front of this but it could have been really bad uh, when they revoke or ex or the cert expires and then they're pushing out a new one, certain systems wouldn't get it, which which could cause problems uh, in you know trust and integrity. I do think, um, it it I don't know. I see here's where like my ignorance kind of crops up. Like I don't know if you would it would be 
unable to use applications in the technology or if you would just get, hey, there's this, there's a warning that the certificate is jacked up, um, which then threat actors could take advantage of because then you're conditioning your users or your, your uh, individuals to like recognize like to, to to get comfortable and get normal about oh this thing's always popping up an error i just go and then threat actors can you know start uh, sending them crap and they'll click right through it because you're you're normalizing clicking through things um so anyways again i like you know there's a lot in our industry uh, i'll tell you this you know just now like i um like cryptography is definitely a, a weak area for me uh in the space so you know this is what i know <laughs> Russian hackers accessed JFK Airport taxi software. Two Queensmen, Daniel Abayev and Peter Lehman, have been arrested and are facing up to 10 years in prison on charges that they conspired with Russian hackers to tamper with JFK Airport's taxi queuing software. The pair used malware and other methods to enable taxi drivers to pay a $10 bribe in exchange for moving ahead in the taxi queue, which is monitored by New York's Port Authority. Drivers could also have their fees waived if they referred others to the scheme. Starting back in September 2019, <laughs> as many as 1,000 fraudulently expedited trips were orchestrated daily with $100,000 in proceeds wired to Russian co-conspirators. All right. Um, this is interesting. I did not know. Um, okay, so like this is a really fringe thing, but it just goes to show you that threat actors are clever and they come up with really interesting things. This, these guys could go to jail for up to 10 years for this. Holy crap. I, you know, they're just hacking taxi queues, but it's part of the port authority. So I guess you can't do that. I don't understand. Like, I didn't, I don't, I don't know enough about how JFK's airport taxi queuing system works, but apparently, you know, I'm being ignorant. I thought you just walk up and there's like, you know, a taxi, you get into it having to wait. Like, so I'm assuming that taxi drivers wait hours in line to get one fare. That seems ridiculous, right? Like, how much does a taxi driver make off a fare? Like, probably not the equivalent of hours of time, right? So, you know, whatever. And then it's pretty cheap, dude. 10 bucks to cut the line. And it's free if they tell a friend. So there's like this affiliate marketing campaign. Here's my thing. Like, this isn't sustainable. This, 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 this scam, this, you know, this crime doesn't seem scalable because if all of the people in the taxi line are cutting, then no one's cutting, right? So you can only get so many people before you start having uh, diminishing returns for your customers who are paying. And then 10 bucks, dude? Really? If, 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 if I could, like, I'm not saying I'm going to be a, involved with crime, but if my day-to-day -day job had a, a, a workflow element where I had to wait hours in line dude 10 bucks is a no-brainer to cut that line are you kidding me i i would have charged more honestly especially for for basically facing up to 10 years in prison for the crime you bet your butt dude way more than ten dollars uh so i don't think it's yeah it's definitely not scalable um and again i don't understand like do uber drivers have to wait in the taxi queuing software are uber drivers even allowed at jfk airport because like I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, and frankly, I don't even understand how taxis are still surviving uh, with, with Uber and Lyft and all the other ones kind of running around. 
but taxi does i mean new york city does have like the medallion thing and i think that they're pretty strict about that stuff so anyways cool attack all i would say is keep your mind open like if there's any software any system it can be you know compromised right new attack vector discovered in amazon web services Researchers from Matiga have uncovered a new security threat to Amazon Web Services' Elastic IP Transfer feature in Virtual Private Cloud. The new feature announced back in October enables much easier transfer of Elastic IP addresses from one AWS account to another. The researchers point out that threat actors would need to compromise at least two APIs to exploit Elastic IP Transfer. They indicate that organizations can mitigate the threat by utilizing AWS service control policies, implementing API automated detection and response options, using bring your own IP, as well as reverse DNS protections. Okay, Raspberry. I mean, yeah, uh, okay. So I don't know what this uh, elastic IP transfer thing is. Uh, my, 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 assumption, my assumption here is that you can have a fixed IP address and, uh, you know, that like so you don't want a dynamically um created ip address right you want something fixed so if you need to move infrastructure if you need you know just like you know your 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 infrastructure is having a problem and you need to bring up uh dr or business continuity infrastructure but you want to transfer that ip over because you know out in out in the world right like think about um google's dns right 8.8.8.8 that ip address lots of people have that thing hard coded into their dns resolvers if if google's dns got jacked up or whatever and it, like that 8888 went down they'd want to be able to move it because there's a lot of things pointing at it right so my understanding is that's what this service is and it's cool now what they're saying is it could be exploited and it makes sense, right? So if you're a threat actor and you know a lot of people are pointing at a specific IP, if you can get that IP address, then you could host malicious infrastructure, uh, fake landing pages, whatever, and the victims wouldn't know any different because this is the IP that they go to. This is what their technology is configured to do. It's the same as yesterday. Let's let's get compromised together. There we go. So. Now, the, the one thing I would say is they said in the story it requires two different APIs to be uh, compromised or whatever. But the real thing here is um, I read something in here that kind of like, listen, as often happens with a useful feature, a malicious actor with the right credentials and permissions could potentially misuse the feature to cause harm. And I know you can't see it because it's tight on the screen, but no kidding, dude. Like, here's my thing. Like, Maybe this is way cooler than than I'm giving it credit for, but like if you have the right credentials and permissions, then you could misuse it. Yeah, if you have domain admin in an, in an AD environment, you can cause harm. Obviously, this is why access is so important and why uh, privileged access management, configuring permissions appropriately is important. It's very tough to do. Most times you just say, hey, new guy, you're doing the same job as the guy who's been here for 25 years. Give him the same access. But the guy who's been here for 25 years has just accrued a ton of access. And now all of a sudden, you know, Johnny, you know, green behind, uh, uh, green, Johnny green, right? Like whatever, the, the person who's brand new has access to all sorts of crap that they don't really need access to. And it's a problem. So anyways, my, my, my point here is if you need creds and permissions, then it's it's less exciting dude if this is like an api that anyone can can query and access and cause damage that's 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 novel and a problem but just protect your protect your creds monitor 
logins and stuff like that. So Robin Worm drops fake malware to confuse researchers. Researchers at Trend Micro discovered Raspberry Robin using trickery in recent attacks against telco providers and government systems. Raspberry Robin is a worm-like malware dropper that typically reaches target systems via malicious USB drives. The malware leverages heavy obfuscation to hide its code from antivirus programs and security researchers. Now to make it even harder on researchers, Raspberry Robin is now equipped with two different payloads. If the malware detects it's running inside a sandbox, indicating it's likely being analyzed, the loader drops a fake payload. Otherwise, it will launch the actual Raspberry Robin malware. And that does it for today's cyber... All right, two things to pull away from this one, okay? One, physical USB drives as an attack vector. We, we spend a lot of time talking about, you know, um, internet-based threats, leaky S3 buckets that can be accessed from anywhere in the world, phishing emails. Guys, in a malicious USB drive is a viable and, you know, common enough attack vector, all right? So... Make sure you're including this in your end user education and awareness. Like, don't pick up, dude. They'll they'll write like crypto wallet on the USB drive, which which used to be really exciting, and now crypto is worth trash. Um, so maybe not that, but they could write nudes. They could write financials. Well, like you know, whatever, so it's, whatever it is, they write on the outside of the USB drive. Doesn't have to be what's in there. It's just trying to encourage you to plug in. Second of all, you can mail these things. Third of all, you can hand them out at conferences, right? Oh, hey, here's like, here's a bunch of crap uh, that's wicked awesome on this drive. Here you go. Like, whatever. And by the way, I can use LinkedIn to find all the CFOs of whatever target companies I want and send them this stuff, right? Put in a nice golf shirt and a USB drive. Go for it. All right. So USB drives are a legit attack vector. That's all I wanted to say about that. Now, the second thing I want to share with y'all is that this Raspberry Robin, obviously threat actors are uh, being pissy because it's called anti-analysis. When security researchers get a piece of malware, they get, they get on malware, they'll drop it in a sandbox to, de you know, to detonate it, dynamically analyze it. Um, check, check out Matt Kiley's videos on, on Flare VM. He just had an advent of cyber one, right? You, you analyze it, you look at it, but the thing is, Threat actors know what kind of uh, programs, binaries, executables, whatever you want to call it, researchers use, right? So there's a lot of popular ones, right? Like Procmon or Apate DNS or, or um, you know, Windabug or, or Ida Pro, right? So like there's a ton of, there's a ton, right? So they look to see, hey, are any of these binaries running in memory Yes or no. They also say, hey, can I reach out to certain network connections? Yes or no. And if the answer is, yes, there's binaries are running or and or no, I can't reach out. Then the thing knows it's being analyzed. It's like it's like in the movie Independence Day when the the the, the alien is in like the study room and it's like flipping out and it like slams um, data from the next generation against the glass. Like the malware knows it's being analyzed and it flips out. And they're being pissy because they detonate bulk uh, malware on the device. So researchers are like, oh, I know what it's doing. It's doing this, this, and this. And in reality, it's just a red herring bullcrap that they're, the threat actors are wanting the researchers to think, right? A bit clever. This is a, 
a little bit of that kind of cat and mouse game between threat actors and security researchers. So, I mean, they had to go through the trouble and effort to put <laughs> the fake malware on there and the to determine if it's being analyzed or not, right? So that is a level of effort that they had to go into. Uh, I share all this because I want you to know operationally about the USB drives and then from an education perspective, what anti-analysis is and, and that that it even happens that threat actors actually do it security headlines but just all right so that's gonna do it for the news guys if you were here just for the news i'd like to say thank you very much i appreciate y'all being here uh we're gonna spend a few minutes just talking about some new stuff coming out i want to share with everybody that this thursday i know you can't really see it awesome mick douglas's face is covered up which sucks dude's wicked awesome Sands instructor, really awesome guy, Mick Douglas, has lots of hot takes on uh, on Twitter. He's coming in uh, tomorrow. He was originally Simply Cyber's very ever first guest, right? Also, hey, really quick before you go, guys, it's December 21st. I, I just remembered. Today is literally the three-year anniversary of my first video on Simply Cyber. Today is the three-year anniversary of Simply Cyber. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so Mick was my first guest ever, and I, I, I love this guy. He's got really great talks. He's a really great personality. Thursday, 4.30 p.m., you guys are going to have a jam of a video uh, session. It's going to be wicked cool. Um and, and, and really, the whole reason I asked him to talk, he tweeted out, people stop thinking MITRE ATT&CK is a silver bullet. It's a great start, but it's not comprehensive or exhaustive of all threat actor techniques. And I was like, holy crap, I've been walking around talking about how MITRE ATT&CK is the comprehensive taxonomy. I'm a fool. Mick, I need to know what are you talking about because I am, um, I'm telling people this. So he's like, oh yeah, let's do it. So it'll be like a fireside chat. We'll go wherever you guys want. Randock Gaming with the super chat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much, y'all. Yeah, so come check out that. Um, we'll have a good time on Thursday. We'll have a good time later today. I want to thank all of you who have been here um, for, you know, one month, one year, or all three years. Uh, I didn't prepare a kind of three-year anniversary retrospective. I, I literally looked the other day to see when it was because I knew it was in December. And um, I just, it just dawned on me when I looked at the time, uh, the date here. Um, so yeah, three years. I know some of you have been here a long time. Thank you, Chinadu. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Check out the main chat and Discord. I made a tinfoil emote. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right, I'll check that out. Thank you, Giancarlo. Thank you, Anna Lynn. I appreciate it. Uh, Robert Moritz. Nope. My day is tomorrow. Where is it? Day 22 is tomorrow. Thank you, Cyber Munchkin. Yeah, tomorrow at um, 8.45 a.m. So right after the stream ends, it's going to drop, and I'm super pumped. Justin Gold with the super chat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. All right, I love it. And guys, on Friday, um, I'm trying to set this up. I, I, I was going to let him uh, review it and see if he wants any edits but um this friday at um 8 45 a.m we're dropping mechanic to cyber as part of the 
role to cyber series where pivot everybody anybody everybody can pivot from cyber uh into cyber okay and i'm going to prove it by sharing all of these amazing stories we've done retail to cyber we have done uh hospitality to cyber stay-at-home parent to cyber we've got mechanic to cyber on deck also pharmacy to cyber marketing to cyber those videos are done and scheduled we'll be dropping all these dude I'm telling you what, I am on a mission to cover as many jobs to cyber with real people who really did it because I don't want anyone to say, oh, I don't, I don't think I could do it. It's not for me, right? That's not, that's not true. The final thing I want to share with you guys, I should, I should be so much better prepared, but I'm not. I, I always forget stuff. If you did not know, I updated the GRC Analyst Masterclass yesterday. I've added three new modules. One is a long risk management framework, complete deep dive. Now it's a live stream I did a couple weeks back, but multiple people asked me to po post it on the on the course, so I did, right? So, uh, so that is a long form. I go through the entire NISC NIST risk management framework. I really should have broke it up into six different videos, one for each stage, but uh, <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. I, I'm very, very busy and I didn't have time to do that. So there's that. And then I have been promising an update to the audit lab and to the risk lab. And I even said it in the videos, guys. I will, I will get this updated. I will do it. The videos are updated. I literally have a spreadsheet you can download. You can follow along with me. I explain exactly how you would do it exactly what you would fill out in the spreadsheet. I fill it out in the spreadsheet and you do too. Once the audit piece is done, you take that audit piece and bring it to the risk lab. And then you, based on the findings that we got from audit, right? Audit just says, is it in place or not in place? For the things not in place, how bad is it that they're not in place? That's the risk part of it. And we go through and I explain my methodology and how I do risk assessment so you can adopt it too, because it is as objective as we try to make it. Risk assessment is a subjective technique and you need to be able to defend your position when you say something is a real risk. And I, I show you how to do that as objectively as possible and how to be able to defend yourself and all that stuff. So new content, I've seen a couple people, my boy, Pete McKinnon, dropping on LinkedIn that he went through the content already and found value in it. So y'all do uh, take a moment and um, Jay Will, is there any way you can add closed captioning to the course? So Jay Will, every video, every lecture in the course, except the three I just added, has transcription in the course. It's not in the video, it's right below the video, all transcribed. So hopefully that helps you there. Yeah, Pete, come back. I, I've been haranguing Pete to get back over here. Haircut fish. Tomorrow's what's your meme? Uh, what's your meme Thursday? Uh, we got a, a wonderful banger of a meme uh, from from Haircut Fish. Yeah, DJ Bsec, I love it. You guys are gonna love. Uh, you guys are gonna love the um, advent of cyber. I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, Cyber Munchkin. All right. Well, best wishes, haircut fish. I know, I know you've been uh, crushing it with that that job interview process. All right, all right, guys. I think that's gonna do it. I want to thank all of you for being here for the three year anniversary that was not promoted. 
Um, I love, I, you know, I love Simply Cyber. Um, I, I'm internally grateful for the community. Uh, appreciate all the super chats, guys. Way to go, Paul Ter- Paula Terranova getting aces in the first semester of school. Love it, love it, love it. Knocking out that master's in cyber. All right, hold on. Let me check out this emote really quickly. We've got we've got mention of emote. <laughs> Are you serious? All right, look at this emote, y'all. <laughs> this could be the new emote if you guys want. If you, if you guys want, this could be the new emote. You holler at me. <laughs> Dan Reardon and Haircut Fish bringing in, bring in the love. Let me know. Oh, my God. This is too funny, bruh. All right. Let, let us know in chat if you if you want it. All right. I think I think we've got it. I'll put this on. <laughs> All right. People are loving it at Haircut Fish. Thanks for uh, reminding me to get in there. I don't know if that's a Hershey Kiss or a tinfoil hat, but I'm clearly, clearly I I I, uh, I have enough conspiracies to to uh, warrant an emote. So, oh, uh, so Rotten Cupcakes Thirty asking about neurodivergent and in cyber. Uh, allow me to share this with you because I love connecting with so many people. Let me see if I can. Give me, give me one second. Give me one second. I, I do wanna, I do wanna do this really quickly. I just have to do it off screen for a second. Yeah. So rotten, rot. Was it rotten tomato? I'm sorry. I, I I'll put this link in chat. I did a full, come on. I did a full hour interview with four cybersecurity recruiters who are international, Australia, Canada, UK, United States. And the entire discussion was around neurodivergent cybersecurity hiring. Okay. And we had Nate O'Reilly, who is a outspoken, uh, he, he is neurodivergent, but he's also an outspoken um, champion of neurodivergent individuals and inclusivity for them. So I'll drop this link in chat, but, um, I hope that this is helpful. I hope this is, you know, I hope this is what you can help you. Okay. All right. All right. So I'll, I'll get on this emote too. Hilarious. Hilarious. All right. Guys, uh, that should do it for the stream. We're right at nine o'clock. I appreciate all of you. Thank you all for being here. Be good. And we will talk uh, later today at 1130 a.m. Eastern time. All the best, everybody.